This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jepson's there. Billy dead. A goal. Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield. Oi. Thank you. Rupian Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Just three weeks after Pancake Day, rumours are abound that Huddersfield Town could be set for a Dutch takeover. However, the oven of Huddersfield Town could also be sufficient if you believe what you read online and in the newspapers. This week, we'll look back on De Boers. Yes, Huddersfield Town scoreless against Bristol City and West Brom. Uh, and tonight, though, the panel looking hot. Cosy with Gary Lineker, so he's not on the pod tonight. So joining me, Matt Shaw, is a man that loves to drop a tulip or two. It's Dan Pozzaporic. And making his debut on the podcast, ready to windmill, it's Ian Van Silkelroy. Are you okay, chaps? Good. Uh, not bad, mate. Not bad. Been an interesting day, hasn't it? Indeed. So, yes, speaking of interesting, this podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. If you use our code of AHTTC10, you will get 10% off of all online orders. And maybe with some of the things that we're going to discuss a little bit later on in this podcast, you might need a beer or two to actually take some of this in. Okay, so I think we should start off with uh, the most recent game, West Bromwich Albion 1, Huddersfield Town nil. Um, I don't think we need to spend too long on this. Uh, a really dull game. Carlos got one over us, uh, quite a typical Carlos team and performance. Uh, Town... Really barely looked like getting much, to be honest. The main talking point, really, the penalty decision. Um, Matty Pearson has let his man get the wrong side of him. He's lunged in. It's not the brightest, really, is it, from Matty Pearson. For me, it's a stonewall penalty. There's not really much else to say on that. 
Uh, John Swift tucks it in the bottom corner, perfect penalty. Uh, and then bar David Kasumu's effort really in the second half where he really should be putting a shot, at least at goal. Huddersfield um, Town leaves his header, I guess you could say, early on. Huddersfield Town didn't really do an awful lot, did they, Killer, to um, to really penetrate West Brom's goal? We've got nothing. We've got absolutely nothing, have we, anymore? I think it was another one of those games where you can, you've can you seen it since Warnock's come in. It's the same game, copied and pasted time and time again. We just we don't look like we could break anyone down, and it was the same against West Brom. Um, we, we set up so tight that we have to take every little chance we get. We struggle to chase games if we fall behind. And in the, at the beginning, Tom Lees has got a free header there from a corner from Rodoni, and he should have put it away. And if that goes in, it changes the entire game. It doesn't. And again, all of a sudden, Pearson, who's never going to be a right back in his life, is getting turned inside out, and uh, a clumsy little challenge there to to give a Stonewall penalty away. I just. It's frustrating watching town play like this. And, and, and I, I did think it was the same. It was a very similar game to what we saw the first half against Bristol City, which we'll go on about later. We've got so many problems. But when you watch West Brom play, you can see how they can attack and we can't. Every time they get the ball at the back, they had three men left in defence and they pushed everyone up forward. When we have the ball, we've got a back five, even in possession, because we're so terrified of losing the ball and getting counted against. We can't play like that and expect to score goals. And as we're seeing week in and week out now, we just can't score goals at all. We can't even create chances. I had a quick look, um, actually, in regards to the Norwich game on, on our chance creation. And, we're, and we've got nobody in the team now who creates a one chance per game. I think we're down to like 0.58 is the most chances we create a game. And it's Rodone. And coming into Norwich, they've got eight players on over one chance per game created. And that's another game we'll talk again about later on. But that problem comes from the games we've played. And, and it's just what we had at West Brom in, in, in the entire game. I counted three chances that we had properly. You've got the uh, Lee's header, which you should have done better with. You can't miss chances like that when you don't create much like we do. Then you've got Kasumu's, is it a one-on-one when he goes clean through? I don't think it is. It ends up, when he starts the run, it looks like he's going to be clean through. But it ends up as a six-on-two in West Brom's favour by the time Kasumu gets to shoot. Kasumu's never going to be a goal scorer, is he? But with that lacking in creative outlets, we're expecting a guy like him to, on a half chance, put it away because we're not going to score if we don't. And then the other chance is an overhead kick by Helic in one of the last couple of minutes. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we're cleaning on to now. Chances like that, that on another season, any other seasons, a half chance, a snippet. But because we're just creating often, it's what we've got to cling on to. The, it's just piercing it right back there. So like just it shows all the problems we've got this year that now we're having to pay people out of position because we've, we've run out of options. Even Warnock, the master tactician that he is, is now left to play in a Stonewall centre-back who probably won't get in many other teams in the division as a centre-back anyway, playing out of position as a right-back and starting against decent wingers. It was just... Um, it was Not fully fit, fit Pearson either, is he? No, and you can see it though. You can see him getting tired and and he's, he's a clogging centre-back. He's, he's an old-school centre-back. And we're expecting him now to be able to play right back and, and handle overlapping um, fullbacks if they're playing in a back, back three or a back five. And, and he's just never going to do that. We've got to play so perfect to take a point because we don't attack very much. You're expecting Pearson to play perfect at right back so we don't give any chances away. Unfortunately, he's always going to give a couple away because he's not a right back. That's what happened Saturday. And ultimately, we've walked away with no points. Go on, pause. No, it's as uh, as Gilla says. It's very much copy and paste at the moment, isn't it? I think the the lack of any attacking threat whatsoever is it's a massive. It's been a concern all season, and it? Well, it was probably a concern last season. As ridiculous as that sounds, given where we finished, but we were never creating chance after chance after chance very often. And um, you know, we spoke about it 
pretty much every episode, don't we, Matt, about you know finding that creative midfielder that, that can actually create some. Obviously, we had you know Sava Thomas, who used to put a great ball in, you know, set pieces. Um, but at the moment, it's two goals in in the last seven, I think it is, and and just two in five since Warnock took over. Obviously, both of them came against against Birmingham. Um, yeah, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because obviously we're not we're not right good overall. Let's just say um, we're not good, really good in defence. We've got not a right a lot in midfield, and we've certainly got nothing going forward. And I, I thought after the Birmingham match, the, the sort of the tactics that he employed, that sort of front to back as as quick as possible, were going to be the way that we just basically play out the rest of the season. Um, I'm not uh, bothered by that. It, it, it's not great to watch, but you know after. So that we've kind of not really done anything. I did. I did say I think either last week or the week before that playing Burnley just after that Birmingham game probably didn't help in any way, shape, or form because we were never going to get out there. And you know we did go and we got rinsed, didn't we? And that seemed to knock any off out of everybody. Um, and it's almost like you, everyone's resigned to it now that we're that we're going down. And you even get that feeling when Warnock speaks in his press conference that he's almost he's resigned to it as well. Um, but I, I, I can't understand why if we've not got the quality. To play any style of football, literally go back, go front to back as quick as you can, but get more bodies forward. You know, we played against Bristol. We had just Danny Ward up there by himself. Um, against West Brom, we started with Wagon up there, who, you know, can't hold up an umbrella, can he? Let's be honest. Every time it went to him, you know, it, it bounced off and then nicked it off him. Or he did hold it up for a couple of seconds, but because there's nobody around. It, it just breaks down so fast. And then we're, everyone who thinks about going forward has to then turn around and, and get back in defensive shape because we've got to be so organised to stop any sort of creativity from from the opposition. Because as, as Killer said, we've got to be so rigid. We've got to be so set because there's players playing that position. There's players playing that are you know, not fully fit. Um, and it definitely seems like, you know, let's, let's not concede. For me, you know, where, where's... Tyree Simpson, where's Canberra? These players were brought in to, to play football and, and they're not. So if it were me, I would literally just play. I would go three up front and I wouldn't mess around with these like wide forwards. I would literally play three centre forwards. Get them, tell them, do not move out of the lines of the 18-yard box. Stay in that central zone and we will just kick it to you and we will just fashion some out of anything. Just a defensive header that's not a great header or... You know, there's three of you up there now. The ball will be there. Just just run about, cause a bit of chaos. Because that's not going to be expected, is it? Let's be fair. Players, you know, even if they're playing three at the back, that's a man each for them to occupy. If they're playing four, that's, you know, there's a, there's an overload then. So they're going to have to quickly change their tactics to, to kind of suit that and, and just launch it, you know, just put it in the put it in the vicinity of the 18-yard box and just see what happens. Because if, if we carry on like we are, you know, I can't. I genuinely cannot see us winning another game this season. Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield's problems all season have been that we're way too passive, hasn't it? And it feels like the Birmingham game just felt like finally that this Huddersfield town team are here and they're actually in somebody's face and they've just slipped back into passiveness. It's like the Halloween. Uh, sorry, Halloween. It probably is like a Halloween thing more than a honeymoon period. I would say <laughs> Halloween period. <laughs> uh, Freudian slip there, but probably a true one. But you know, they, they've obviously Hot Warnock's come in. He's managed to whip them up for one game, and they've just gone back to what they were like before. It's just this mentally shot team that are just not going to keep Huddersfield Town in the league. It's as simple as that. Huddersfield Town, you might as well put an R next to them at the minute because they are just playing like a team that knows it's going down. It plays like a team that's 
mentally on the beach. Maybe maybe you meant to say that uh, Martin Wagon couldn't hold up a parasol. Uh, there because it <laughs> definitely feels like they're playing for the summer, doesn't it? Um, it's frustrating as a fan. It's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to go and watch. Um, there's less people going to watch because the product on the field is is really poor. And we can move on to the the game against Bristol City. Me and me and Killer sat next to each other like little friends, didn't we, Killer? Um, yeah, we did, and it was so bad at halftime, Matt. Instead of going for a beer, we had to go for a coffee, didn't we, to stay away? Yeah, it was freezing. <laughs> it was freezing. That, that coffee was bad as well, wasn't it? It was horrendous. Say, it was still... I didn't want to say at the time because you bought it for me, but it was really bad. <laughs> still better than the game, though, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, so Town Bristol City. Um, do you know what? I've been guilty of referring to uh, Thomas Fatslick as the Tin Man, haven't I, on this podcast because he looks so. It's this movement, isn't it? He's just struggled for movement. But um, we actually started, I think we've started to see now that he's obviously getting a bit more match fit, isn't he? And against Bristol City in that first half, he was very good. Let's be fair to Thomas Vatslick. Um, He kept Huddersfield Town in the game with uh, two or three important saves. There's one from the header was a decent one. I know it's a good height and it's a little bit a little bit of a camera save, isn't it? That people will say, but you know, he's he's done a good job there. He was out fast. He was out quick off his line to stop um, Bell, the striker, at one point. Um, and he probably deserved man of the match, I think, overall in that game. Huddersfield Town would have lost the game if it hadn't been for Thomas Vatslick. And I think this is the really the tactic, isn't it, for Huddersfield Town at the minute, is just to try and stay in the game for as long as possible until the last 15 minutes, 10, 15 Ooh. minutes, and try and make it a chaotic game. And that's and to be honest, that's not new. That's what Mark Fotheringham tried to do when he came in. He came in and said, right, I need to get these attacking players on the pitch. And he sat there and watched them lose to Rotherham and a couple of others and went, Ah shit! I can't do this. So he's gone. He's gone ultra defensive, and then thought, you know what? If we can stay in the game until the last fifteen minutes, I can throw on this, that, and we can make it a little bit chaotic. And it seems to be Warnock's plan as well. Although Warnock's, I think, and I don't think Warnock's quite as defensive as fathering him in a lot of ways. Um, but it's similar, isn't it? It's not. It's not great to watch either way. Um, and one thing me and you noted, Killer, when we were watching the game, is that. Town look really, really fragile when they're in a shape and the shape works. But as soon as that shape's breached or somebody's pulled out of position, the whole team shit themselves, don't they? And it's a it's a sign of confidence, um, a real real sign of confidence. If if somebody doesn't track a man and there's a man free in five yards of space, even if it's on the touchline, the entire team shit themselves and rush. Um, they don't just relax and just trust somebody to come back in. It's it's a real sort of worrying sign, isn't it? And I mean, at the end of the game, we could have won it at the end. The last 15 minutes when we've made it chaotic, you know, he's brought Josh Caroma on, on the wrong side, I will add. Um, but Josh Caroma's had a shot there, which has gone wide. Radoni had a bit of a rocket shot. It it felt it felt like more of a rocket shot in the ground than what it did on the highlights, but it's just <laughs> kind of hit the keeper, hasn't it? And then Helix had one cleared off the line. And you're coming away thinking, you know what, we could have won that game um, in the last 15 minutes. But when you look at the previous 75, we could have been dicked 4-0 again. So it, it's not... Uh, my my issue with Huddersfield Town this season is I don't think I've seen one game where we've won and we've controlled it from start to finish. Maybe the Rotherham game where we beat them 2-0, but Rotherham were really mm, bad. Yeah, day. they were so bad. Yeah, I'd, and maybe Millwall, the 1-0 against Millwall. Millwall didn't really turn up, did they? And Nakayama's cross went in and nothing really happened after it. But I don't... I really don't see us controlling one game this season from start to finish by Rotherham. And that's what worries me is that we don't really, if we get like killer says, if we go one nil down jobs done, if we go one nil up, we don't have the players to keep them out either. It's, it's so it's such a, a real mishmash of a squad. And I know that the budget's got slashed massively, didn't they? But 
you're kind of looking at the squad going, it doesn't make sense all of a sudden. And I know some of the players have signed for Carlos Cobra, maybe in mind, you know, you, I hear Conor Mahoney was one on the Carlos list, if you know, maybe way down the Carlos list. But there's players where you're looking at and you're going, and Matt, Matt Loughton, or Matt, you know, I'm not going to say the name or call him on WhatsApp, it's not fair. But, you know, you're looking at players that we've brought in in January and I did the warm-up podcast with Brady, didn't I? And I absolutely tore strips off our recruitment for January, so I can't be bothered going through it again. But literally every signing at Bar Hung Boy is crap. Um, and that's like may change my mind, actually, that, you know, with a couple more of those performances. But it's really poor. Lowton poor, Wagon poor, Canberra is absolutely gash. You know, it's such bad recruitment. And I still cannot understand why we've gone and signed two really average strikers when the entire wage could have paid for a decent one. I just do not get that. Um, and the recruitment is appalling for January. It really is. And the and and again, we're left with this squad, which just doesn't, the team, which doesn't make sense. Um, and that's the frustrating bit for me is we've had two goes at it over the course of the season and we've butchered it both times. And people can sit there and say, it's Lee Bromby, it's Dean Hoyle, it's Dave Baldwin, etc. They've all had a go at it and it's, <laughs> no one's come out of this well at all. So, and, and here we are having to make, 60 minutes for a podcast up on something that we don't really want to talk about. It's not much fun, is it, guys? It's awful. You could argue it is awful. You know, I know you've been, sorry, Carl, I know you've, you've kind of covered the, the January in, in, on the warm-up, Matt, but you look at the players that came in and the players that went out and you could argue that we've made make sense. We've made, we've made ourselves, know, honestly, I said it, we've made ourselves weaker. We let Thomas go, we let KKH go, we let, you know, and then brought in players that some haven't even played or played very, very little. And it's like, well, like you say, why why bring two in and just get one good one? You know, what, what's the point in? I know like you need a squad, don't you? But why buy players and not play them? It's just the point. The thing is, pause. Do you not think my, my opinion on this was I think we've gone into this season expecting to coast it. We knew we weren't going to challenge at the top. And I think we just thought we need to sell the club. That, that's the priority for this year. Stay in the division. And I think there's a bit of ego there where they think the team is still good enough, but it was a coaching causing the problems, and that's why it took so long. They didn't really adjust. They didn't really bring in the right guys for us. And I've ended up with nothing. And looking at the club, mm-hmm. if something we'll get onto later on and, and financial issues are apparent, I was looking at the quick uh, quick look at our first team, who we've actually got who's sellable. And I wouldn't even think we've got many assets there ready to go anywhere for anything significant anymore, which is a very strange thing, isn't it, really, for us? Because it's generally... Like the Premier League again, isn't it? It is. There's nothing yeah. there that we can, that I can see. Diara and Kamara, there's players there, but they're not ready yet. They're, they're raw guys, aren't they still? They're, they're not You're quite not ready. Get- you're not going to maximise that. The only ones you can really sell got, for money are Nichols, Helic, and uh, Sorber. And even then, they're not at maximum value anymore. No, so if you end, if end up in League Thomas, One. We could, have, we could have sold Thomas for probably about five million last end last summer. Now you'd be lucky, you know, with everything that's gone on, you might get a million with like five, maybe. You know, it's just it's, it's, to be fair, it's, it's played quite well for Blackburn. I mean, Sauber's playing well for Blackburn. But they'll, they'll know, so. look at now with our situation, they're, they're going to know that they can get him for next to no. Yeah. They're not going to come in with his market value, are they? Let's be fair. No, no absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, lots of fun. Bristol City game, I've had my say, killer, <laughs> probably said. So, um, turn it over to you on that. But there's not really much else to say, is there? No, it's just that we continuously set up like we're playing Barcelona, no matter who we're playing, home or away. I reckon we could, honestly, if we had an FA Cup game against a League 2 opposition, we'd probably do the same thing at the moment. It just seems that ingrained into us. It, it, it's like 
we are the the League Two team in an FA Cup third round going away to a Premier League team every single game that was so compact. And I didn't think Bristol City was the right game for to do that. I think you've got to target games to win now. We have to find games to win. And I think we have to gamble a little bit. But I think, and I know it's Warnock, and I know everyone loves him because of what he's done before. But if you look at this from a non-nostalgic position, what he's done since coming in is very little. And in fact, I think we're actually worse than what we'd have done under Fotheringham. We've not only scored one, we've scored in one game and you have to score goals. We have to score goals and we have to take more risks. Mm. It's hard to do a direct direct comparison. I had a quick look at, we haven't played anybody Fotheringham's played. And over the, the scoffers' reign, I think Warnock's three points up from, from those games. And of course, it's only a small sample and they're at home rather than away and whatnot. I get it. But as the eye test to me, it doesn't look like we're any better at all. In fact, if he's not even picking John Rose on the bench anymore, yet he's our top goal scorer, is he injured? Do we know actually anything what's going on there? Is he just out of choice? Is he just out of favour? I think no. we look less likely to score, not more likely to score which seems very strange to me. I, I expected more from it. I just, it, it's like we're in re- restrictive mode, isn't it? It's like we just don't want to get battered every game. So we're just trying to see what we can do. Like you say, my hold on to last 20 minutes and then twist it and go for it. We should have been 3-0 down against Bristol City at halftime. And still at the end of the game, we're walking away thinking we could have nicked that. We could have nicked three points. It's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate. Over the course of that game, we were really lucky to still be in it by the end of it. We really were. Vaclik Vach- Vach- yeah. um, was fantastic. He did. He came out. I'd say his saves were great, but his movement off his line, which I thought he'd lost now, was there. It was really good, and, and he stopped. He stopped chances before they became chances to mo- most people's eyes. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah. But we've got nothing going forward. Like you saying, pause. Rodoni. It was more the the West Brom game, but I spent quite a lot of time just watching Rodoni play, and I compared him to John Swift because I think Swift's a right. He's a right good player. But then again, Absolutely. if you're playing in that ACM role, it's a lot easier to be a good player when you've got loads of people overlapping. You see Rodoni get it in the final third, he's got no one. There is no one to pass to. West Brom had three men every single time if we had any man far forward. And what's Rodoni supposed to do there? No one can create in that position. Now, our problem is we don't have the money. We didn't have the money this year to go out and buy strikers. And when that happens, you need pace to either counter from like from winning possession back or you have the pace to force mistakes and you kind of score cheap goals. That's kind of how the Cowleys always thought attacked. They, we didn't really dominate mm. possession, but we had a bit of pace in the right places. Chroma was a big part of that. And, and we capitalised on mistakes that we forced from pace or pressure. We don't pressure. There is no pressure anymore when we're halfway up the field because I don't think we can do that. So we're trying to avoid it because when we do press, we break our own shape and we're easy to score against. So we can't do that. Carlos also built around having overlapping fullbacks, didn't he? We couldn't afford the strikers. So we had nice fullbacks that were fast. And then Lewis O'Brien in the middle could drive the ball forward in the summer, we replaced none of that at all. Nakayama, Matt, we quite liked him, didn't we? We thought he was a right, right, right good player. He was not unorthodox. anything like Tuffalo, is he? He's not, but he's unorthodox and he just got into right positions. And, and he caused, I don't know if it's his size or whatever, but as a fullback, he just caused a few issues. And, yeah, I mean, Nakayama can't carry the ball and that's the major difference, isn't it, between him mm. and Tuffalo. Nakayama's a really nice left-sided centre-back. He'd make an amazing overlapping centre-back, wouldn't he, in a back three? But as a left back, a left wing back, he can't carry the ball forward. And that's what uh, our left hand side was built around with O'Brien and Toffler. And once we'd lost our only way to get from A to B, um, we were we were scuppered. Kasumu was supposed to be the new Lewis O'Brien, wasn't he? And he's, I, I like bits of him, but he's, he's tailed off. And going back to what you said as well, Killer, about fathering him to Warnock, I think the oh, there's one immeasurable there, which is the morale of the players and the confidence of the players. For me, under Fotheringham, that sapped badly. 
Um, and I don't really think that's down to Mark Fotherin as such. I think it's just the results and you know having to turn up with an you know a team which is struggling and and Mark Fotherham, I don't think was very good at picking them back up. I do think Mark Fotherham will go somewhere else at some point and do quite well, and everyone will go bloody hell. Mark Fotherham's not that bad actually. Um, I do generally think he'll go somewhere with the bit between his teeth, and if it's the right place, he'll do quite well. Um, but he was just wrong for Huddersfield Town at that time, I think. Uh, whereas Warnock, I think, in October would have been right, and I think he would have lifted them significantly at that point. And I think we'd be sat now 18th, 19th, looking over our shoulders, but relatively okay. And for me, the immeasurable bit, you can probably compare stats and what have you, but the immeasurable bit is just the player confidence and the amount of injuries that Fotheringham picked up as well which some of it may have been down to the way he altered training. A lot of the feedback was that all they do is run now and he's got them running, you know, seven days a week and all this robustness training, et cetera, that came in. And there's a lot of injuries seem to fall from that. But, you know, those are your immeasurables. You can't sit here in a podcast with data saying this happened and that happened. So it's just guesswork. Um, but that's the fun of having a podcast, isn't it? We can just make shit up as we go along. <laughs> look good. I'll look really bad. Um, pause. I don't know if you want to round up... Um, Bristol City, it was just, you could probably just put a line under it and say we're a bit shit, really. But yeah, I think it were like you say, one of those that you know try stain it. Hope we do, which we did, and then. But even even then, you know, you, you kind of mentioned this last fifteen chaos. You know, the last fifteen minutes when it were all a bit chaotic. Even within the last fifteen minutes, there were players ambling around, and there were a throw. We went out for a throw and just killer was me. going mental. At oh man, man you're triggering me. You're triggering yeah, me again. Here, pause. Matty Pearson <laughs> like wandering over, like bloody with three. You know, like we're one nil up and we're just trying to kill time. And he gets ball and he's looking around. And, and I think that comes back to what you said though about the shape killer. It, it, you can't do a quick throwing, uh, and you mentioned it as well, Matt. That you can't do a quick throwing because people are in the right place. It's like, right, I need to, I need to make sure I'm a back falls here. I need to make sure he stood there, and he stood there, and he couldn't just launch one on because he didn't know where anybody was. Everyone has to regroup and get in position. It's like watching when under eights play, and you're like, you know, you tell them right, you start, you put cones down, don't you? And say right, well, when we get a throwing, but when keeper has it, you stand here, you stand there, and you were like, right, everyone's got to get to the cone before we can throw a ball on field because if not. I don't know what to do then because it's, it's never happened yeah. before and I can't think of myself at that age. And oh, it, did seem, yeah. it did seem a little bit like that, but I think overall, I know it sounds silly, but like a, a nil-nil draw or a three-all draw would have probably been the fair result. So a draw overall for both teams is, is, is probably right for that one. It just reminded me actually with throw-ins, me and Killer were sat there and we're like, this is like 94, 95, this where Tom Cowan used yeah. to sling it down. He used to sling Where's it down the, the line. line and they used to challenge and then win a throw-in higher up and they just yeah. used to win throw-ins down the pitch and then sling it in the box. Sunday league watch- tactics, isn't it? Work, work the yeah, line. Work but the they line. worked. And we're watching it and we were throwing it to like Ben Jackson and Kamara and I'm just like, <laughs> what are we doing? And But that's like, the Matt, thing, the mentally, we were mentally shot, right? So that's one of the biggest symptoms. It's not the cause, but a symptom. The first one, might you picked up on the overreaction. If we break down, if it's a one-on-one, a guy's showing him the outside and it, say he beats him, just, just or threatens to beat one of our fullbacks, everyone overreacts and rushes the ball, which creates so much space with the team. But the second symptom is the throw-ins. We've got a throw in 84 minutes. Pearson goes to take it. Like, like we're 2-1 up away from home and we're trying to defend. Right, we've got six minutes to, to win at Omi to try and stay in this division, and instead mm. we're walking over. And then when he gets it, not one centre midfielder, not one of them moves towards the ball. The most simple thing in football with every throwing is there's a dummy. You have a dummy run. You have your guy in front of the thrower that gets the hell out of there, so somebody else receives the ball to his feet and can play it back to the thrower. That is basic football. Basic, yeah. We don't even do that. So even if you're going it down the line, you always have that dummy run because it takes one and maybe two if people overreact on the other side out of the game. But we, do, we didn't even have that. 
We don't even have that in a game at home against Bristol City that was a must-win game. And it really was, wasn't it? Because looking just... at the picture list, we don't have many easy, easier games. And I know it's not an easy game, but compared to what we have, it's one of the one of the better ones. And we are yeah. ambling over for throw-ins. And then we have no movement at all when we need to find a winner. And at that point in the game, the last 10 minutes, we, 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 did, we were open and we could have conceded. Bristol City did have a decent chance. I don't know if it was later on. But... We were on the up, and even still, in that moment, we don't have the mental capacity anymore because we're that fragile to sense it and to try and take a game to an opponent. We just didn't have it, and like you say, Matt, having a throw-in and nobody's moving towards to, to take it. It's just, it, it's, it shows the problem. It shows one of the many problems. I'm sorry, mate, I was laughing in there because I was just thinking, how long have you spent in Australia? How long were you in Australia for? To, uh, 10 years? 11 years, 11 years. 11 yeah. years. And I was listening to you then. He goes, he's ambling over like he's 2-1 up. And I'm like, he's absolutely got <laughs> none of that left. No Australian at all. It's all, it's all Huddersfordly, isn't it? It's just all shot in the town this year. That's why. It's just been <laughs> it's so all come back. Year, I'm, I'm waiting for you to say get it forward. As we, pretty much we have to. Paz did, didn't he, with the 4-3-3 with the three strikers. I was just waiting for it then, get it forward. It was coming. <laughs> um, right, the game's were shit. Let's put, a, let's put a line under it. Um, it's not really... Well, they're in. They are what they are, aren't they? They're not shit. They just are what they are at the minute, and it's it's a struggle for everyone yeah, really yeah, to be too excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I was trying to be kind. Um, I think that Let's the main the reason why I think the main reason why people be more interested in this podcast is because of the rumours that have come up recently. So uh, we'll have a little break now, and then we'll uh, we'll come back to um, the rumours of administration. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, so we're back and... There are rumours of administration have appeared uh, online. Uh, let me just stress first and foremost that these are it's rumours, speculation, and nothing in particular has been mooted to say that this definitely will happen. So uh, by this, I'm responding to articles by Alan Nixon. Um, people have differing opinions of Alan Nixon, and that's fine, uh, which have been picked up by the Huddersfield Examiner, Dom Housen, and our buddy, Mr. Chicken, have... Um, have both put their words online as well with regards to that. Um, okay, so I think I've 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 been writing stuff down. I think I'm just going to read out what I wrote down because once I started going, it was it, it was uh, it didn't stop. I'll be honest, it didn't stop. So uh, administration. So why are Huddersfield Town entering in administration? So first of all, if Huddersfield Town enter administration, um, there is a twelve point deduction. If we do that prior to the fourth Thursday in March, which will be the 23rd, um, Huddersfield Town will take the points hit this season, 
rather than next season. So if Huddersfield Town are to enter administration, it is likely that it will be by next Thursday. Okay. However, the reasons for administration are going to be interesting because I'm sure the EFL will be watching and the EFL, if they choose, can take a view of the administration and think that Huddersfield Town are gaming the system, I guess, for want of a better phrase. And therefore, they could say, do you know what, Huddersfield, you're trying to take the piss. We'll add this point. We'll add this next season. That could potentially happen. Uh, but like I say, everything's up in the air. So let me read this spiel, which could be good, could be rubbish. Who knows when it comes from me, but let's have a look. So um, why a Huddersfield Town potentially going into administration? Okay, so Dean Hoyle has said um, throughout the course of the season that he will continue to fund the club. So the issue, unless Dean's changed his mind from what he'd said uh, in interviews with Radio Leeds and the papers, etc., uh, so the issue is unlikely to be cash flow or insolvency related. That's what we understand, isn't it? So if Dean Hoyle has said that he's going to fund the club this season, then it makes no sense as to why we'll be going into administration for a cash flow issue. Uh, so if Huddersfield Town have enough money to run, then why is administration mooted? Okay. So according to the second question from the suspended HTSA ATT panel, um, does the club owe money? So this is the question is, does the club owe money to the administrators of the pure legal group? And question three, is this impacting the sale of the club? Okay, so if we are to take the story from Alan Nixon, social media, the answer sounds like a resounding yes, doesn't it? If you listen to um, social media, Alan Nixon, etc. The administrations of pure legal, aka Phil's old business, may have some legitimate claim against the football club. If this claim is disputed, then going into administration may be a way to prize the shares from the administrators, administrators to sell them to a potential investor. So that is the rumours doing the round at the minute. So the reason why we're here is down to years of mismanagement. This is my opinion, not anything else. Uh, of the football club going back to 2019. Dean Hall's sale of 75% of the club was that in the best interest of Huddersfield Town? It's a question which has now turned a Premier League club into a club that struggles to compete in the Championship. Let's be honest, that sale. Uh, now, it's important to note this could all be bluster, it could be brinksmanship or completely false. But as it's been reported in the examiner, Alan Nixon, etc., we're going to take this seriously for now. Um, so what does it potentially mean? So if Huddersfield Town enter administration, like I said, it means we'll get the 12-point deduction. Uh, this season, it would put us on 20 points, which is 18 points behind safety. And that will, you know, it's going to take a, a brave or a stupid man to back against Huddersfield Town to be relegated, isn't it, under that scenario? Okay, so it also potentially means that employees and good people at the club will be worried about their jobs. That's one of the most important things. So there's people that work in the ticket office, the ground staff. Uh, maybe the town foundation, although that potentially is a separate separate entity, isn't it? But good people who work at the club net will now obviously be fearful of, of their livelihoods, which is a really important thing that shouldn't be missed by people. Will the club or administrators honour the debts to local suppliers? That's another question, uh, a valuable question. Uh, Huddersfield Town as well will be absolutely hammered by regulators, the football, football league, the national press, etc. Huddersfield Town will more than likely be a poster boy for why football needs change, won't it? You know, the, the last club to go into administration before 
the great reset, the Tracer Couch recommendations. Is it Tracer Couch? I'm sure it's the recommendations that are coming forward. Um, and Huddersfield Town will more than likely, or could potentially, I should say, be dragged through the mud and people's legacies, etc., tarnished. It's not going to be a, a pretty thing, is it? Um, and should we be worried? This is the other, the Huddersfield Towns actually be worried. Um, potentially, uh, there, are none in, there could potentially be unintended consequences, such as different sanctions uh, that could stun us into next season. There's no guarantee that we will be bought out of administration by um, the people that have been linked. Um, indeed, the Sun article by Alan Nixon hints that nobody has yet met the price um, for the football club. So um, this then could be set by an administration administrator. I can't say administrator today. What's wrong with me? And not Dean Hoyle. But, you know, you've got to ask the question, what is the price for a League One football club that doesn't own its stadium or its training ground? That's a, a fair question, isn't it? So one of my main concerns, because the last time we went into administration, the main intention, really, apart from uh, people's jobs that, you know, people made redundant, but the main talking point or the main issue that derived from that, apart from the debt, obviously, to the players, was the itself. So I have a concern over the stadium. I've had a concern over the stadium and how uh, Huddersfield Town could run the stadium for quite a while. Um, so if we take a walk back through or down memory lane, if you've been a Huddersfield Town fan for over 10 years, you'll remember the lime green T-shirts, won't you? I've still got one upstairs somewhere. My missus used to sleep in it for years after. Um the scandal around Ken Davy purchasing the shares for two pounds. He moved it from Huddersfield Town to Huddersfield Sport in Pride Limited. You'll remember. Ken was hammered by Dean and an army of town fans, including myself. I'll be honest, I wasn't happy about it. Um, eventually, Ken sold the shares back to Huddersfield Town for one pound, providing his debt was cleared. Um, a little bit funny how some town fans were apoplectic at that, but find it okay that Dean wants his loans back. But we'll we'll move on. Anyway, Dean said uh, it had been a, a long and tough road. So these are quotes from Dean at the time. He said, it's been a long and tough road and lessons need to be learned. Uh, so this is from an Examiner article from 2013. He said, he added, I now plan to put the club shares in KSDL into a charitable trust to ensure no future owner of Huddersfield Town Board can ever again separate the stadium interest from the club. Okay. Um met with a lot of fanfare, a lot of um, happy people at the time. That seemed like a great a great move to make. Um, so the stadium and why I'm concerned. So there's an article from last year in the Huddersfield Hub. Huddersfield Hub's decent. Have a read of it. Um, it's a nice little article, what Martin Shaw and uh, Stephen Downs do. So fair play to them for, for doing that on a voluntary basis. Good lads. Um, so this is from that article. The council warned in March last year that KSDL was at risk of going bust and its financial position has since worsened, not least due to rising energy costs. The council says KSDL now faces severe cash flow difficulties. Kirkley's council had wanted to set up a community trust and was prepared to lend the trust up to $13 million to cover debts and invest in repairs to the aging stadium opened in 1994. KSDL is owned by Kirkley's council, as you know, 40% Huddersfield Town, 40% and Huddersfield Giants, 20% or Huddersfield Sporting Pride Limited, as it probably is. Uh, and Town's previous owner, Phil Hodgkinson, had supported uh, the creation of this trust. Um, it was approved by the council's cabinet, um, but Town's position changed when Dean Hoyle took back ownership of the football club from Phil late 
in 2021. Mr Hoyle vetoed the move and the trust deal was scuppered. Latterly, it was revealed at a council meeting that this deal, the £13 million loan to the trust, is now off the table, uh, especially if the shares don't go into a trust. So as a Huddersfield Town fan uh, and the HTSA as well, I'm sure they have asked the question in their list of 13 questions, why was that deal vetoed? What is happening with the shares? Because as as we are now aware, what Dean promised in 2013 hasn't happened by the looks of it. Um, it'd be nice to know why that is uh, and what the plan is for that. Um, because as Huddersfield for Town fans, we went through not the best of places, did we, with the stadium not so long since. Um, there were even talks at one point to even sack the stadium off and they were looking at different places to maybe build a new one and all sorts of stuff. It was a bit of a mess and that's something that I don't really want to go back through as a Huddersfield Town fan, especially when I quite like our stadium as it is. Um, so, yes, so that is a concern. The last bit I've got really here is surrounding the link. So the man linked with buying the club is a René Nielsen. Uh, he has been linked with a purchase, thanks to Alan Nixon. Uh, believe it or not, a Dutch clog maker. Could you believe that? So from clogs to cloggers, there you go. There's the, uh, there's the episode title. Uh, no, he owns uh, Nelson Shoes in the Netherlands, not particularly clogs, but he's, uh, he is a shoemaker. So uh, not particularly well off in terms of football f- terms. Um, oh, so he's not a billionaire or anything, uh, but one who's done a, a great job at Alkmaar. Um, but the Netherlands, Nether- Netherlands, not Peter Pan, is it? The Netherlands is a very different kettle of fish to the UK and getting players into the UK is currently quite difficult due to the Brexit rules. So uh, no boats and no non-internationals. Um, and there are perils and pitfalls of multi-club ownership as well. So we'd essentially more than likely be there to serve the needs of AZ Alkmaar, not the other way around. And with the Brexit rules making player transfers more difficult, how this operates would also be uh, a question for maybe the HTSA, maybe for us, but it also makes that a lot more difficult. So I don't really want to be AZ Alkmaar's B team, I'll be honest, um, especially in League One. I don't really want to be an afterthought or a secondary club. I want Huddersfield Town to be loved and cherished like we all love and cherish Huddersfield Town as the primary goal in everybody's life. But So for me, the, the Dutch multi-club ownership, I'm not massively a fan, unless I hear something more which sets my mind at ease. My initial feeling is I'm not really as up for that as I would be. Um been a rich man's plaything, <laughs> if, if you like. But I've spoke for quite a while there, guys. So there's a lot there that I've been thinking about. Um, but like I say, a lot of this at the minute is all up in the air. It's all speculation. None of what I've said really is fact, uh, apart from the the articles um, share uh, of the stadium, etc., which is there in black and white. To go read that. Um, Killer, I'll. I'll come to you first. Um, bit of a mess, I guess. I think we've got to refer to it as BZ Alkmaar. I think that's what we go with. If, if they, <laughs> if they come in, if, if that's what it is, that's like you're right though. Multi club ownership generally the one club kind of becomes a priority, doesn't it? And then yeah. everyone else kind of helps feeding into that, and that doesn't appeal to anyone. I think that appeals to me even less than putting beat under twenty one teams in uh, LD Van Stroke, Mickey Mouse Trophy, whatever it is at the moment. Upper Johns, that's the one. It's just worrying. It's worrying that the club haven't come out and directly denied it because I think 
there's an, not that, well, I think they would. Dean Hoyle's tenure, to me, has always, up until this last 18 months, and I know Phil Hodgkinson came in, but Dean's always been there and thereabouts. There's been one that's been pretty open or perceptively open. And with, with the HSA asking him, and, and then the ATT uh, meeting being cancelled, and now there's such a fanfare around, are we going to administration? Is it actually really a threat? And, and nothing has come out directly from the club that I'm aware of, um, other than referring back to the statement to the HTSA on why the ATT meeting was cancelled. Um, just to add, Killer, sorry, there's a, an update, isn't there, on the, the HTSA as well. Just before we came online, they have added a, uh, an update, haven't they, on Twitter uh, an yeah, hour ago, yeah. which I don't know if you've seen yet, but it just says the club stance remains... The statement that was released regarding the cancellation of the ATT meeting, note the statement in question, did not refer to administration. Uh, we followed up and would like the ATT panel to be convened to give HTFC fans clarity. So they've gone full Mark Fotheringham there and asked for clarity, which is nice. So oh, go it's on. A, it's a nice one. It just, the entire thing, and, and, and a thing that are, uh, has come to mind as well is when, when Dean bought the club, right? Considering now, Matt, you've mentioned that the stadium shares and the training facility, I know we don't have the up-to-date budget, uh, um, financial figures, do we? They, they haven't been out. Like The accounts haven't been out for a while. There, there's a, quite a delay. So I'm guessing something may have changed on company's house. It's not on there just yet. So again, this might be wrong. But when he bought the club, I'm pretty sure he said he overpaid for something with no assets because he didn't own anything. There, there was something... Yeah, with, that, rings a bell. that rings a bell. Yeah, it does. We're, we're still in the same position now, aren't we? But we're expecting to sell the club with the excessive amounts of debt that we didn't have when Dean bought it. We're in somewhat a weaker position, in my opinion, in regards to selling the club as it is compared to when Dean actually bought it, when he was very outspoken about the state of it, which is very, very sad considering where we were in 2016, 17 and 18. It's, it's ridiculous we're in this situation, regardless of whether the, the rumours of, of administration are, are based on anything real. It seems a bit silly. And... I don't remember it. I was not there for it. But in the 80s, we dropped from Division 1 to Division 4 very quickly, didn't we? 70s, and mate. None of us were there. 70s, 70s, we should have had Cozzy on because Cozzy would have remembered that one. He'd love me for saying yeah. that. It'd have been all in on it. But it, I'm not saying this is it's what's going to happen here, but it must. It feels a bit similar, doesn't it? It feels like everything's caving in at the same time and we're living through something that only town fans seem to live through in that you go from a Premier League to, to, to potential administration. Top flight kills us, doesn't it? Every time the top flight kills us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why nobody wants it. That's why we wanted to lose in, the, in, in instead of beating Forest in the summer. Maybe, maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the thing was. But it's just it's just awful. Luckily, there's always idiots wanting to buy football clubs. So no matter how bad the situation seems to be, I'm sure we'll be fine because there's always people sniffing around to buy to buy football clubs. And we've got a lot of history. We're a, we're a large-ish club. We'll be appealing to somebody with with too much money, I'm sure. But it's just sad that this definitely feels like the beginning of the end of the Hoyle era to me. And Hodgkinson felt like a bit. It was Hoyle's chosen successor, wasn't he, really? Apparently, yeah, he handpicked him when other people were interested. Um, I'm sure there are no financial uh, reasons for that whatsoever, but he was chosen because he wanted him to do it. However, it's backfired a little bit, and, and now it's, it's not. it hasn't worked the way we expected it to. And this really does feel like the beginning of the end of Huddersfield Town that, that got us to the Premier League. And um, with, with how poor it is on, on the field at the moment, it really feels like the next 12 months will be a club we've not we've not seen before. It'll be a new club to us as well as supporters. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's been rumours out there for a while about, you know, going into administration and, uh, you know, the timing seems very convenient in regards to people have kind of realised that we've got pretty much 
guaranteed to be relegated, so let's take the hit now. Which makes sense. I don't agree with it. You know, it's a bit cheating. Very honest, is it? You know, the, the club talks and its club chat are about being, you know, morals and integrity and all that sort of stuff. And this seems to go against that. I think the whole situation actually seems someone's look, literally looked at the uh, the club charter and, and gone against pretty much everything that's in there at the moment. Um, yeah, I think that I've made a few brief points just to kind of go through. I think the the, the saving thing is it is a tactical admin rather than a monetary thing. So, you know, you've, you've seen a lot online and Twitter people saying, you know, we've got no money and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think it's more of a a tactical uh, administration pre-packaged, I believe, is the, the the phrase that's used in that sort of circles. And, and I yeah, know that happens pre-packed, a lot admin, yeah, pre-packed. yeah, oven ready, as Mr. Johnson used to say. Oh, uh, don't, um, don't mention that one. I know that's very common in commercial worlds. I know Mike Ashley does a lot of that kind of work. You know, over, taking over businesses, um, doing it that way rather than like the normal way. So, you know, it's, at least we're we're kind of secure in that respect you know we're not kind of looking over our shoulders thinking you know can we pay the bills are we going to be liquidated so that is kind of like one little comfort i suppose but i just i just find it all the whole situation i just find it i feel i find it embarrassing i find it an embarrassment that two men who um you know will be in a position that none of us will ever be in in that the fact that they've been able to be the custodian and he was that word purposely because that's what Dean Orr used to call it uh, he called himself a custodian he's not the owner he's there to look after the club he passed it on to Phil under the same kind of you know ideology and it's such a shame that these two men who, who are fans of the field time I've seen people say they claim to be fans I don't agree with that they are fans yeah, they, they are fans too you know, there's, there's Dean Oil, he ran up pitch at Bury Away and all that kind of stuff. That's they awesome. Yeah, that's an awesome video. Though, yeah. You know, we are fans of the club, but money changes people, doesn't it? And it, it can change the outlook and, and money becomes all important. And I think that's kind of kind of where they are. Uh, I, like I say, I find it embarrassing as a fan to for the club to be going through this again. It's, it's not long, was it? 20 years since we were in this situation before. And, you know, we're, we're there again now. And it, it's just, it's just, it's just not right, is it? Um, there's obviously the knock-on effect. If it is a, a pre-packed um, administration, obviously there might you've touched on, you know, staff and suppliers, you know, people with their own monitor. I would hope that no one of that ilk is affected by this. Um, I think it's 25p in the pound now, creditors for football clubs, if they're going to administration. It's, 20, yeah, it's 25 or 35, isn't it? I can't yeah, I hope they're not using this as a way to get out of paying anybody that money. I hope anybody that comes in, takes over the club, honours whatever money is owed to any you know local or any other suppliers and the people that are employed by the club get feet, get treated fairly because there are some some really good people that work down there in, in various departments and, and you know people talk about and I use the phrase the club and I think when we use that phrase that is basically directed at the people at the top the people that sit at the boardroom the people that make these decisions as people in ticket offices in you know support services in retail that do a really good job and, and they must be they must be struggling at the moment because there's absolutely no certainty for them either um I think once this is sorted, I don't know how long it'll take. I'm hoping it's not really long. Again, if it is, you know, kind of set up to be a quick one, then fantastic. But it still leaves me in a little bit of a, a grey area moving forward in other respects. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. The stadium, 
we've heard that the condition is terrible. It needs eight, 10 million spending on it. The ownership of the stadium, who's going to take that on? Where does that sit? I believe the shares that you mentioned earlier, Matt, are still not in the trust. So who actually owns them? Are they owned by the club? Are they owned by Dean Hoyle? Are they owned by another third party? How is that going to be resolved? Very similar canal side, I believe. And again, it may be wrong. It may be right that Dean Hoyle owns the land, I believe, that canal side sits on, but not the buildings. Uh, <sighs> yeah. What will happen with that? Will Dean, you know, he's... <laughs> Seems to do a lot of U-turns recently. Will they start suddenly banging up the rent there at Canal Side for the club and will that hinder the, the progress moving forward? Infrastructure, as far as we are aware, at the end of this season, we will have not have a management team anymore. You know, Neil Warnock and Ron Ejection will that's when their agreement stops. Who will come in? Who will be responsible for finding that person? Will it be Bromby? Will it be the team that's there? Will the new owners have a list of people that's you know lined up to to replace these these people that are in those positions. Again, we don't know as fans. That's that's a big uncertainty. And the squad, the playing squad itself. Obviously, we've we've all seen this season. It's absolutely nowhere near good enough for um, for championship levels. Will it be good enough for League One? You know, that's yet to be seen. I personally think if we kept the exact same squad, I know we won't, obviously, but if we kept that exact same squad, that is not a squad that's likely to get promoted. Uh, if we go into administration, will there be transfer embargoes? Will we have to sell... I know Killer said we haven't got any saleable players, but the likes of Thomas and the likes of, you know, Lee Nichols, um, and will that money be able to be reinvested into a playing squad to, to stand a fighting chance of getting, of getting back out? Again, up in the air, but I, I don't think so. Um, it's just to quote Elton John, a sad, sad situation, isn't it? You know, Premier League 2017 and five five years later, you know, we are where we are. We, we came down from the Premier League, we had a little bit of a wobble, we went through a few changes in management. You know, we were scrapping at the, at the wrong end of the table. We, we seemed to overcome that. We, we brought in Carlos Corbran, you know, after another. You know, sort of couple of management who didn't really work out for, for various reasons. It were a very strange time, wasn't it? You know, COVID and all that. I'm sure that played a big part of it. But we, we got back to um, competing at the right end of the championship. We we were looking like at the end of May, Hoyle were going to do whatever we were going to do with the shares and he's kind of done a U-turn on, on whatever we're going down there. Uh, sold as best players, as better players that were in on loan, disappeared. You know, we've done the why did Carlos thing leave to death? But, you know, I still believe that that money were, were not going to um, come back and be reinvested. And that's why he went. Again, we've we've got ourselves to a position of, um, of a decent status and then pulled the rug out from under us again. Killers touched on it, lack of communication. You know, HDSA have put the question to the club. They've literally just said, we said this last week, that is still the case. It's not even a new statement. It's not even, you know, Woodfield Town have seen reports saying X, Y, and Z. You know, we, can, we can't really say, oh, it's, you know, we're not denying it. You know, neither deny or confirm. You know, there's not even that kind of answer at the moment. Um, that just breeds literally more uncertainty between fan base and, and, and fan bases make up things when there isn't certainty and nothing comes out to fill those gaps. So, yeah, I know, I've kind of, sorry, I've kind of gone on there a little bit, um, but that's just kind of how I feel at the moment. I, I don't I don't know anybody, I don't know any more than anybody else and stuff, but I just think that we're in for a really rocky, 
end of the season. A rocky road. So yeah, what a lovely place to end the podcast, eh? Um, in a uh, killer looks like he's looks like something from a whiskey advert, doesn't he? With the fire in the background <laughs> and everything, just looks like he's gonna come in with like a, a nice little tankard with uh, some ice in there. But I'm gonna end this podcast now because it's lots of fun. So we'll do our best to keep an eye on things and update fans uh, as possible uh, if we can with what we can just bear in mind when you're discussing things online be very careful with regurgitating what you've heard because a lot of things are covered by NDAs and you know a lot of people are uh, obviously in a position of it's a lot of things are sensitive at the minute so uh, be careful with what you say I would imagine like we have tried to be um, but yeah so um, hopefully um all of it is just a big ruse and we'll come out of this uh, championship club next season with a billionaire backer who knows we never know do we so thanks for listening again this week thanks killer for coming on hopefully get you back on soon pause you can go pick your young lad up now we've run over but it's all good for you and thanks to everyone for listening thanks to magic rock for sponsoring us and we'll be back again next week There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Huddersfield Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.